What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hangar Podcast. Guys, episode number 25. I don't have a cool pun or anything this time. It's just just a good number. Just a know. number. Yeah. Strong. Okay. Like my women. <laughs> <laughs> it's not right to start off with an inside joke. I, I don't. I think that's universally funny. Hey, they never. They wouldn't have known it was an inside joke till you said something. That's true. Want to start over. Do it again. No, no I think no, it's no, good. No, no. I we're like still here. I love the fact that we're we're starting so confident. All we have is a number. Yeah, that's just, just all we're excited about. Woo. We've done this twenty five times. Holy Amazing. crap! <laughs> twenty five hours of our life gone. Hey, something I do want to discuss before we get started is how awesome the hangar was this month. Do you? Because there was football. Yeah, I mean, it just made such a big difference to have the game going, and a lot of guys I hadn't seen before were there. It was just a, it was a good month at the hangar. I don't know. I thought it was really freaking annoying for about the first thirty minutes. Oh well, as the tech guy trying to set up the five hundred pound projector, I can <laughs> think so heavy. I can understand that. You know, it was kind of surprising though. We want to make sure that football is showing, and then I think we got like all the way through the pregame, and then they were almost about to kick off, and then the Jeep horn blows, and it's time to go <laughs> yeah. home. <laughs> yeah, like Directv said, yeah, six thirty. Uh, wait, sorry, we meant seven forty-five. Yeah. Our bad. Unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that. But just to have the sounds of football in the hangar, fall is on its way. There's been a little bit of a chill in the air lately, reminding us that summer will end eventually. I know it's just put me in a good mood. Uh, so did goodness. the pork nachos. Yeah, pork nachos. I good. could eat those literally every day. Like yeah. I don't think I would have an issue with it. I think my my bowels might, but I would power through it because it's that good. Like my bowels did, but I powered through it. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so maybe we should put a shameless plug here for Burgers and Blues, a friend of ours, fellow hangar man, Stephen Soller, in his restaurant in Ridgeland, Mississippi, known for their burgers, but uh, a little known gem inside of that restaurant, the loaded pulled pork nachos they're amazing yeah you would literally probably never think to order them until you got desperate for an appetizer and then suddenly game on yeah game on changed my life so what are we going to talk about today i i was really betting on you telling me <laughs> i'll be honest <laughs> you're the one with the notepad in front of you ben. No, i'm trying to figure out like am i the, i'm the topic guy that's the role i'm this gonna play this is your podcast we're just here with the <laughs> mic no, it's our podcast the ben addict it is totally our podcast <laughs> All right, we're going to stop right now, and uh, I think I should probably reach out to the guy. I think his name is Mike, who runs the Pen Attic Podcast, and I'm actually going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there are probably hangermen out there that have tried to find this podcast since we started mentioning it. So I think most of them just settle for Bic and move on. <laughs> settle for what? That's, that, is it bike? That's Bic with a B, guys. <laughs> okay, man. This has gone off the rails. So maybe I should introduce the topic. Here's what happens when I don't introduce the topic. We just experienced it. So I, I really liked last week we started with the question because it got some conversation kicked up. And uh, I think we kind of agreed, disagreed with each other. I just It was engaging, so I'd like to try that again. So here's my big question for today. Who would you guys say, um, and I will give you the opportunity to either say currently or who has ever lived, who is the most or was the most powerful man in the world? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take me off the table so we can just push the conversation a little further. Dang it. Yeah, I'm off the table. And I'm also going to take, not that we're that closely connected, but I'm going to take Jesus off the table as well because that's the (laughs) crummy Sunday school answer. So who is the most powerful man that has ever lived or is currently living? I think it's an interesting question. Hmm. That is a really interesting question. I don't think I've ever really thought about it before. 
Man, I just learned something about the dramatic pause. If you add a hmm in there, it fills that void so it doesn't feel so bad. Anything would help, Mo. Any, <laughs> anything to make me feel like my phone didn't just suddenly die. It was be so, I don't know, scratch the head, anything that makes a wait, noise. Wait, wait, what'd you say? <laughs> am I, all right, can I answer the question? Am I, allowed to, am I allowed to say Hugh Hefner? Uh, I'm, I'm not familiar with Hugh Hefner. What did he do? I think, isn't that the dude that wrote Marvel? Yeah. Is that the, is that the guy call call the call the wild? Is that that guy? Um, yeah. So <laughs> call mo- the moving wild. on to a different a different answer. Not because I respect the guy. I mean, because the truth is, uh, the money and the influence that he has in a way that men have always desired to have influence. Uh, the power, and I'm not saying as far as like. Um, you know, political power and things like that, even though who knows, you know, I don't know where, how long, how, how far he can reach. Uh, but I don't know. I just I think about maybe it's because there was a, a documentary, I don't know, something like that about him, where it, his, it talked about his, uh, his influence that he had throughout the United States and throughout the world because of the power that he had over those women agree with him or not. I, I don't, I don't agree with what he does, but the truth is he had, he had a power that all men at some point in their life, wish they had an influence over women and then the money to do the things that he wanted to do. We're not discussing morality. We're discussing power. I think that's a good play, man. Um, I agree with you on that. I think he wasn't the first guy to figure out how to, uh, monetize sex i mean he's definitely built an empire off of taking advantage of women and i would propose taking advantage of men too playing off uh, their tendency towards addiction especially the desire for women so that is a i don't in fact i'm sitting here thinking i'm not really sure how you would top that uh because he's also when whenever it happens that that industry or his part of that industry closes down he's going to have a legacy uh this the stuff that he's produced that his company has produced is going to live on and i think a, a lot of hangar men had an interaction with that some of the other men that we may be talking about today we didn't interact with but <clears throat> the efforts of hugh hefner i mean we we've all been impacted or affected I would say my proposal is 99% of us have been (laughs) affected or impacted by at least um, the industry that he exploded uh, through his efforts. So my hat is off to you, Mo. That's a great answer. Very definitive answer. How are you going to top that, Chase? This is – mine is not – he's not not because of his money, but because of what he did. It's – I think it's Bill Gates – Bill because, Gates. Yeah, because... The computer guy. Yeah. Windows guy. Like, I, I, Steve Jobs, like, personalized the computer, but Bill Gates brought it and standardized it for literally everyone. Like, like even even the go-past that you have to think, porn wouldn't be the problem like it is today without Bill Gates. Oh, Mo, you have just been trumped. Oh, yes, you have just been trumped. Speaking of powerful men, no, let's continue. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that's the that's the furthest my head went with it because I literally just thought of that. So he takes the computer, he takes uh, the the on ramp to the World Wide Web, and takes it out of the business sector and brings it into people's living rooms. Right. And I, I would even argue, knowing a little bit about his current efforts, he's taken that power 
and all of the money that he's acquired through that those decisions through his intelligence and he's trying to affect good across the world yeah so it's it's more so like yeah it's twofold i think because like his money is still playing a huge part of it obviously because he donates i think like 90 percent of it to charity why not yeah i mean he's still got probably got 10 billion left <laughs> i got yeah. a charity <laughs> Yes, um, and I think probably with both these men, it's worth maybe not discussing but mentioning that we really don't know the scope of the power. We we know what we see, but we obviously don't know what we don't see. Right? How much influence? And Mo alluded to it. How much influence do these men have behind closed doors? That's kind of a scary proposition. So yeah. two two very powerful men. I feel like a I don't know. I've got the softball answer when I think about the most powerful men that have ever lived the, the first guy i go to is hitler is that a dangerous thing to say i think uh, a lot of people are afraid to say that answer just because of you know cultural ramifications but I, I agree with you if not the two people we listed then I'm, that was my third option okay that so he was on your oh, actually list. it was my second option second yeah. option did you think of hitler mo um i think one of the yeah I, I think of him a lot <laughs> in these Wait. types of scenarios. Wait. Uh, we just uh, took a hard when, left. When, uh, <laughs> when it comes to power and influence, I think, I mean, he was a brilliant, brilliant man. He used it for evil, um, but he was a brilliant military mind. He was a brilliant uh, communicator. You know, he was able to rally people into a system of belief that was like way out there. Um, so when it comes to power and influence, I'm, I'm starting to realize the, the connection, even when we talked a little bit about this before we started the, the podcast, um, we didn't get to the point where we were recognizing that power is largely uh, defined by influence. You know, the Hit- Hitler's power, um, Hugh Hefner's power, um, Bill oh, Gates. Gates' power is all because of the influence that they had past uh, just their little circle, you know, or even just their money and all that stuff it's the influence it's what what has happened since they were able to create the product or uh, movement that they created and in in and chase's answer my my answer what's what's scary to me is what you said was scary just that no one recognizes that like we don't see like how much power they had in influencing the world as we know it and it's just like oh my goodness <laughs> you know yeah, and the consolidation of powers is a dangerous thing. We're, I think we're leaning into maybe some other stuff coming in the episode this, uh, today, this morning. Uh, but interesting in these examples, we have, and I mean, I don't know the man, but we have Hugh Hefner, which we would say the power consolidated on that man has been used to propagate tremendous amounts of evil across the world. Uh, Hitler, you could say the same thing. I mean, we've all seen the, the documentaries. Uh, there's a couple of people who are living in a delusion that think that those things never happened but um you look at the things that he was able to convince an entire people group to participate in it's just it it is fascinating and disturbing and all that so the consolidation of power onto hitler uh propagates incredible amount of evil across the entire world pulls the world into a war then you've got one example this guy bill gates that you can't really attach that to but that's two out of three that the power took these men to a place that was really, really the personification of evil. So I, I think there's a big lesson there. Um, so let me let me ask this: just the general reactions we've talked about the influence. Mo, you bring up the influence. The general reactions that men have to men of power. Could we? I don't want to talk about it at a personal level. 
yet. I'd like to discuss maybe what the general reactions are of men when we run up against people that are powerful. In some cases, I think it's uh, a lot of people tend to like attach themselves to them. Like, I want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. They look up to him. Um, and what's crazy about that is I think it has a lot to do with with money more than anything. They don't recognize the the power of the influence those people had in one way or another. They just see the money, you know. Um, but the other the other thing, the other side of that is when you look at somebody who's in a position of power, maybe not one of the three most powerful people in the world that we've discussed anyway in this in this uh, in this podcast so far. But when you when you run up against somebody with power, you're kind of repelled i think in a sense or you're taken back you you hesitate to to get into their presence for one reason or another i mean i think that that men in general have a problem with authority and power interesting play how do you feel chase yeah i think i would have stopped it at like in just like a universal sense i would have stopped it at the envy yeah that's the word that was coming to my mind envy like if i I think most people, when they run up against guys who have power, the first the first thing a man's going to think when he sees a man with power is, I wish I had that. Mm-hmm. And then we start to investigate their lifestyle. Let, let's talk about this. Why do we, other than just sexual arousal, why do we buy pornography? Power? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Hugh Hefner's image is a huge part of why you buy into that industry because you think, man, that guy has got the silk robe and he's got the house and he's got the women and whenever this month is over, he's going to have another woman. I mean, that's part of the appeal to that is this, they uh, play off, this industry plays off the idea of envy. Let's talk about Hitler again. Hitler had a put together life. I mean, he's got the the castle, he's got the peop- the generals who are following him, he's got the brand, he's got the uniforms, and he even comes mustache. in. Yeah, the mustache, yeah, the, the floppy <laughs> hair. Uh, he comes in and says, our entire uh, nation has had a problem and I have the power to fix that problem. And I think a lot of people, you see people make all kinds of compromises because they envy other men's power. I, I mean, I think if I were going to say the number one thing that, that men experience when they run up against other men of power, it's envy because we, we want the power. And now, as a religious man, as a Jesus-following man, that's kind of an expected answer. That's why I'm wanting to talk a little bit generally because I think people – uh, men who aren't following Jesus at all participate in this exchange. So let's dive a little bit deeper, asking what your, and I've, I've got mine ready to go, what your personal reaction to people of power is. For me, um, it comes from a place of insecurity. Honestly, when I'm, when I'm in the presence of a person of power, I go back to my inferiority complex immediately. I feel like a child. I've, I've, I've said that when I'm sitting in the room with a person who is above me and has the power to, to influence my life in one way or another, uh, I recognize that I'm not on that level or I think that I'm on that level. And that's one of the problems that I've had with people who have a lot of, a lot of money or, you know, more, more of a, a, a place of a position of power over me in, in an authority role, you know, whether it be a boss or something like that. A lot of my problem has been 
that I battle so much with the idea of how inferior I am to most people, if not everyone. I mean, I think I'll find something about someone that they're so much better than me at. I automatically assume they're better than me at everything. You know, they're, they're above me. So, uh, for my, my response to a person of power is usually, um, I try to get out of there because of the way, the way they make me feel, you know, I just try to run and isolate. Because of your inferiority, you, uh, you distance yourself yeah. from people of power. I mean, I, I get that. That's that's brutally honest, and I'm. I think most of us have that running through us. It's that's it's personal to you, but that kind of falls into the general category also. How about you, Chase? Um, I want to expose my inner millennial a little bit. Oh, brain. this this ought to be exciting. But uh, I think my initial reaction is like rebellion, not so much like the the sixty five. You know f nixon or whatever but it's just kind of like it's like my initial posture is an eye roll and a head shake and 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 uh inner audible all right who's this guy so it's not so much like that anymore like i've kind of i've kind of suppressed that a little bit in a healthy way but like when i was quote unquote younger like it was uh, an issue i would say like in middle school High school. I'm, I'm I'm further away from high school than you think. <laughs> Far enough that I feel old. So it's seasoned a little bit, but you rebellion <laughs> is your your response to to men of power. So so far we have inf- inferiority and rebellion. Here's mine. Mine is disgust. I just have a general disgust. In fact, uh, and I I certainly won't mention any names to call out controversy here. But I was watching a uh, I don't even know how to use this neutrally a famous American pastor last night on social media. And uh, man, this, this church is all over social media. And I was, I was watching this guy parade around a stage, uh, microphone in hand, and he was speaking about God. And there, I just saw in this guy, my perception, this guy loves power. And that disgusts me. It especially disgusts me that he's cloaked in the Jesus culture, you know, and I could be completely wrong about this guy. I'm just expressing right now. Maybe I am. I'm just expressing as I experience men who have a consolidation of power. Maybe it's because of my knowledge of history. Maybe it's because my personal interactions with seeing power corrupt men. I just get disgusted because whether they are have been exposed as a charlatan or whether they've been exposed as a person who is after their own good, I'm just predicting as men pull power towards themselves, they're they're slimy. I mean, it just disgusts me. And I and as a result of that, and I think this is a result of all of our opinions. I distance myself from that person of power. So Mo, through your inferiority, you say, you know what, I'm just going to avoid that person of power. Uh, you through Chase, through your rebellion, I mean, that's definitely distancing yourself. And me through my disgust, I'm going to stay in there long enough to talk poorly about you like I just did. <laughs> and then I'm going to back up and I'm going to distance myself. So the big question this this morning is, why is this an important topic for Hanger Man? Why is it falling into the Torn series? And I think this idea represents for us, or should, I'm trying to reframe some things here, why men are torn participating in Christian community or not. This is an interesting idea that I've been reading about lately, that in churches, we present God, Jesus, 
deity, the trinity, however, whatever your local community talks about it as, we present God as powerful. And we think inside of churches that we're doing a good thing, presenting God as having a lot of power. But I'm starting to understand for men, that can be something that really repels us. Does that idea intrigue you guys? Yeah, I was uh, thinking about it. And in true mode fashion, I'm kind of like wrestling with it, you know, with the idea. Because I, I agree. I think that the power of God and how we discuss how powerful he is and how great. Well, I say how we celebrate it, you know, because on this side of it, it's a, it's a little different. We appreciate his power. This side meaning inside the church. People, right. People. Yeah. Well, like people who have have recognized that power and recognize how great it is, you know, who are, who are close to him, who are close to God. Um, yeah, this side, <laughs> that was weird. Shouldn't have said it like that, but, um, we, I just, it, it, I can, I'm like, yeah, I'm celebrating that, you know, I'm celebrating his power. Um, but then on the other end of it, I can see how somebody who doesn't understand how that power is a good thing for us, how they could be uneasy, but, because of it you know they can feel uneasy they can feel threatened they can feel like um you know we we have we already have to these kind of issues i think we've you know usually when we discuss something the three of us represent um almost like the three different standpoints of whatever the issue is like we one of us is going to relate with someone else you know who's listening to this so I think we, we cover, maybe there's another one, I don't know, but we cover pretty much probably the whole audience. And we can say that for some reason or another, whether it be rebellion, whether it be inferiority complex, whether it be disgust with a person of power basically from your past or I don't know, whatever it would be, but you come into a, pre- a place where they're discussing a person of great power and celebrating that person, that could be a, a deterrent. You're kind of thinking, well, uh, you know, I don't do good with people who've got this authority over me. Yeah, I think it's a general response. And honestly, it's why I'm admitting that as a guy who's been on this side or the inside for a considerable amount of time, I've lost sight of that. But as I'm thinking about the hangar men that are listening to this right now, feeling torn, like I want to participate in what's going on inside of the church, I think, but I'm not sure. And then they wander into a weekend service or or even worse, a small group where people are just extremely bought in to the idea and they're hearing God is power, God is power, God is power, God is power. My proposal is that that calls out a lot of this natural stuff that we've been talking about already today. And it, it presents way more of a problem than modern Christian uh, ministers, Jesus ministers, are willing to admit, and and I think what scares me, and I don't use that off that word often, but what scares me is that we, through a desire to help people, are actually presenting an extremely large barrier to men getting involved with the Jesus life by emphasizing his power. Because if you are on what you were describing, Mo, if you're outside of relationship with Jesus, then your opinion is not going to be the same when you hear that word power. Here's a discussion that I get involved with often. If people do say, okay, well, you've convinced me. If men say, you convinced me that the power of Jesus or the power of God is for me, is good for me. That's something that Chase was mentioning off mic. That allows you to kind of 
get involved with the idea a little more. The next question becomes, then why didn't he exercise that good power in my life when I needed it? And that's a question that's very difficult for me to answer. How do we answer these questions? How do we talk about God's power? How do we frame it in a way where we can help hanger men, even the ones listening right now, understand that God's power should not repel us? How do we do that? That's a question for the ages. <laughs> I mean, like we're <laughs> it's not a question you don't here, want to answer, right? We're not going to sit here in the Hangar Podcast Studio, I think, and answer it indefinitely for everyone. But I agree with you. But we do, we do have to give it a good try. I yeah, mean, we've well, got to, and we will. You know, obviously, we're going to try. We're going to do our best. But um, I mean, my answer is just going to be the: How do you do, man? I mean, you you just figure it out. You know, you just do it, like. The, the here's what I think and maybe I'm wrong I don't know I just I think that there's two types of people there's people who accept God's authority and power and then there's people who refuse to accept it but acknowledge that it's there like I don't think that if you if you if you accept the existence of a creator God then he has to have all authority and power you can't escape that reality if the guy created you, he he's 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 the one he's in charge you know what i mean and and i think that when when somebody encounters that it's more of a like now i have to face it you know i mean when you when you have a, a person who who doesn't wish to accept the reality that there is a greater being who is in control because it is difficult to answer that question of well where was he when i needed him most of it comes from a place of well he wasn't there when i needed him so i refuse to acknowledge him um even though i have to believe deep down that there is because of what i believe i have to think that deep down there's a suppressed realization that there must be something bigger out there even in your language, I listen to the way that you're talking about it. In the typical church environment, we are going to talk about God's power as, as if it is the most amazing, best thing that the human mind has ever ascended to think about. But what, the way you're talking about it right now is you got to face it. Those are two very different messages. And, and I wonder if we started talking about God's power in the Christian community that way, if it would resonate more clearly and quickly with men to say you've got to recognize that there is power and authority that is larger than you that doesn't have to check with you about when it shows up or how it does what it does but you just got to face it and wrestle with it and come to a decision so i'm going to throw it over to you chase because of the conversations we've had already today what is my motivator if, if so mo's calling us to face the power of god uh, in, in a way that it's, it's difficult to do. What's my motivator to, to make that difficult decision? If I'm a hanger man right now listening to this on a Thursday afternoon on the way home from work, the weekend's coming, Christians are getting together all across the world, I've got a chance to get together with them. How do I get the motivation to face the power of God, even though initially, if we're honest, it repels us as men? I think you have to realize that even your best shot that you've given towards the situations that you've been in, every time it's failed. There's no way it succeeded if you're leaning on your own power when situations get hard. If you're having to ask the question, you know, why didn't he show up for me and such and such, that's you admitting that you couldn't handle the situation. And I think even that within itself is 
showing that you're up to the challenge of facing God's power over you. Because what what facing up to uh, God's power requires is you giving up your illusion of control. Because, you know, God gives us power, but in the same instant that he gives it to us, he can take it away. So... I don't know how much further to go with than that. I just I think you have to have to be honest with yourself in terms of like how you've been able to handle situations in your life. I think that answer is incredibly strong, and it, it brings out some emotion in me to think the way that I see. Although I didn't see it this way in the beginning, my initial impression of God as a young man uh, was just fear. I was afraid of God, and that's as far as it went. And I, I grew up in a home with people that loved Jesus and, f- and a family that loved Jesus. But my initial response was fear because of his power. But over time, because of my relationship with him, number one. Number two, because I have seen when I have, what you're saying, Chase, taken the reins in my own life, what a crap storm it's turned into. Now I see the power of God over my life as a covering. As, as a place of safety, uh, even though his power is not exercised in a safe way, I now trust because of my track record, because of God's track record with me, that is a thing that is motivated by love and is a good thing and something that I'm dependent upon, especially now that I've got sons, I've got young men growing up in my home. Uh, I really am connecting emotionally to what you're saying because if the way that Owen and Shepard turn out as men is up to me and my power, I already know those two men are sunk so i need something other than just my wife to help me out with that i'm going to need the power of god over my life and so yeah i think for me moving into that you're right having that angry response of why didn't god show up when i needed him actually admits our weakness and lack of power that's that's a great way to say that we tell on ourselves often uh, Mo, you, you mentioned an interesting word i want to bring back up maybe rack, wrapping up today that these these words of power and influence are connected, but also the words of power and authority are connected. Hash that out. Well, the the way I see it is that the the problem that we have is authority. I mean, when whenever whenever we have somebody else able to tell us to do something that we don't want to do, then that that authority makes us uncomfortable. So for somebody to be able to, I mean, it, it happens at, at childhood, right? I mean, man, I don't want to cut the grass, but my dad has the authority to tell me to cut the grass, so I have no choice but to submit. And then what we do is we we rebel against that. We'll sit there, and the whole time we're cutting the grass is I can't wait till I have the authority to make my own decisions to do what I want to do. Can I interrupt you real quick? Because yeah. I, I just had a question. If, I do. I, I remember that. I remember thinking it's just because my father told me to do something. That's why I don't want to do it. So I don't want to transfer that authority over, even though that even though my father had power over me. But when it came to Hugh Hefner and his porn, I did transfer the power. Why? Why was that exchange so difficult in one relationship and so easy in another? I mean, my original, my initial thought. In answering that question, is what what Hugh Hefner, what that industry does, is it doesn't present itself as authority. It presents itself as service to you. So I'm thinking this guy works for me. I want to be him and I want to have what he has, but he is giving me what I want when I want it. 
so he's a um, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Isn't that the phrase? <laughs> uh, but and I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting you. It was just a thought I had. But I feel like you were building the case that God refuses to do that. He's going to be honest from the jump about his power and authority. So we have to face it. Yeah, you have to. You have to face it. I mean, there's no getting around it. And that's where the that's where the pushback is. I think for men mostly. See. I don't know if I have the authority to say this, but I have a feeling that women want a strong man to exercise authority for the benefit of the family. A wife wants a man who is going to stand up and be the authority figure, even though she may not think she wants that based off of whatever society is saying now. But internally, there's this natural you know, what is it, a default setting that women have where they're looking for that that man to be that person. And there's a sense of freedom when the man becomes that person in the home, right? There's a sense of freedom in the home, a sense of peace that comes over the home, a sense of respect that comes between the two parties, a man and a woman. So I feel like it's very similar to us. Like, we know that we can't handle, like Chase said, we, we don't have control over these situations, you know, in, in these difficult times, when it comes down to it, we really have very little control over what happens to us in our lives. We, we can't control, I can't control whether or not they're going to fire me today. Even, I mean, because I, I could be doing a great job, but still, you know, a bug crawls up their butt, they fire me. I mean, that's just the way it is. Is that, is that a phrase? I don't know. I'm just going to let it go. I see what you mean. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> um so it sounds better with an expletive. Um, so like, what? you know, <laughs> when I don't know if that's true. Either. <laughs> well, keep going. Well, you gotta keep going. Keep going. Um, so anyway, so we, since we have so little control over what happens to us in our lives, the only thing we can do is blame God because ultimately we, ad- we admit that if he is really there, then he has the control. Now we don't want to cut the grass. We don't want to have to accept the fact that we got this diagnosis. We don't want to have to accept the fact that he allowed us to live through what he allowed us to live through. But the reality is we can't see the end result like he can see the end result. But we're refusing to submit to his authority because we can't see past the way we feel and what we don't want to do to experience the joy of what comes from obedience because ultimately we're able to experience life on a way that it was designed to be experienced. And when, when we, when we can't find a, a position of humility in recognizing that it's all him, he's the authority here. And I'm going to just submit, I'm going to wrestle with this for a little while, but submit, but we won't even make, we won't even wrestle. That's the thing that bothers me, man. Philip talks about it, and he says the word uh, whamby-pamby a lot when he does. But it's like we look at God, and so that we can appear strong to ourselves, so that we can we can convince ourselves that we're strong, we resist him. But the truth of the matter is, he's the alpha male. And if you want to challenge him, go ahead. Step into the ring with him. 
like a true alpha male leader, he's going to put you in your place, but then he's going to serve you afterwards. He's going to love you. He's going to lead you for your good afterwards. So I, I would say that if you walk into a place like, like, like our organization, like Vertical Church, if you walk into a place that is celebrating the power of Jesus and you find yourself in a position of discomfort because it's hard for you to accept that authority of a God who has allowed you to experience what you've experienced, my challenge to you would be to step into the ring with him and challenge that authority. Grow the guts to get into the ring and say, I challenge the master. Not, I mean, I, I don't know. I, yet just go into the ring with him and challenge him. And then when you lose, when you recognize that he wrestles you down and he beats you, he pins you and you tap out, he's going to bless you after that. And then you'll be able to experience and see that power and authority of God in a way that you've never imagined.